Welcome to Fed Resource Center Podcast, the news you can use. We are proud to announce our new podcast channel for all things on federal benefits. So this week in the news, premium increases. The Office of Personal Management announced that the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program premiums will increase by 1.3% in 2019, the lowest increase since 1996. Under the Federal Employees Dental and Vision Insurance Program, the overall average premium for dental plans will increase by 1.2%, and the overall average premium for vision plans will decrease by 2.8%. Now, the government contribution toward FEHB premiums, that's your health insurance, will increase by 1.2%, and the enrollee share of the FEHB premiums will increase on an average by 1.5% in 2019. The federal benefits open season begins November 12th and runs through December 10th of this year. So that's real important. If you need to make any changes, you've got this small window that you need to go ahead and make any changes and make sure that when you make those changes that it's something that is going to benefit you. Next, we're going to talk about the WEP and Social Security new bill to lessen what we call the penalties. Two bipartisan pieces of legislation aim to reduce the impact of Social Security, what we call the windfall elimination provision, which reduces benefits for those who also draw benefits from what we call a retirement program that does not include Social Security. An example would be civil service. Now, enacted into law in 1983, the Webb formula was created to adjust what we call a Social Security worker benefits because retirees sometimes earned a higher retirement benefit than their work history supported. Some people will call that kind of a double dipping. Consequently, this was giving them what we call a windfall of benefits. Now, the WEP was originally put into place with the intention to prevent this windfall from happening. Instead of creating a fair formula, however, the newly created WEP forced all public servants who had also paid into Social Security into what we call an arbitrary or one-size-fits-all reduction in benefits, with not all public employees being treated equally. Next, we're going to talk about the pay raises. Now, this is quite interesting because in regards about the pay raises, it's, uh, you know, I think every year people are wondering, are we going to get a pay raise uh, this year going into 2019? We're talking about, well, it could be a 1.9, it could be over 2%. Well, Congress has agreed on a pay raise for federal employees for 2019, according to several of the lawmakers. A 2.1% across the board increase was set to go into effect in January. But in an August 30th letter to lawmakers, of course, the president said all across the board and locality pay increases set to zero for 2019. Lawmakers from both sides urged the president to at least consider, you know, a 1.9% pay raise that, of course, was approved by the Senate and the House spending bill did not include a pay increase. Meanwhile, other media outlets have reported that no agreement has been reached, making this you know, public statement basically premature. According to a report, the deal would include a 1.9% pay increase for federal civilian employees in 2019. But then again, you got additional parties going back and saying, you know what, if this pay raise goes through, we're going to reject it. Uh, we're going to reject the whole deal over partisan add-ons to the bills. So while we have what I call a political power struggle, the reality kind of sets in. You know, I guess a way to look at this is if you're going to 
even if you do get a pay increase, you have to flip back up and go, okay, wait a minute. You're going to increase our premium cost and then you're going to adjust it by giving us a pay raise, which then kind of comes a washout because you basically are giving it to us, but then you're taking it away on another side. Now, if you don't get that increase, then basically you've got an increase on your premium cost, but you don't have an increase in pay. Quite interesting there. So the struggle for this whole entire pay rate situation becomes quite interesting. Next, we're looking at the Postal Service running out of money. You know, that one's been around for quite a few years now. Well, the U.S. Postal Service, they're saying right now, will run out of money to pay for its retirees' health care in 12 years if Congress does not take action to address the funding shortfall. And this is according to a new audit of the entire benefit program. Funding for former postal employees has long been a sticking point in the fight to get the mailing agency's finances back on firmer footing. Again, this this whole situation with the finances in regards to the Postal Service, this has been going on heavier now in the last couple of years. For at least the last 10 years, the Postal Service has faced a requirement to pre-fund the benefit for future retirees. The Postal Service, what they're saying, has defaulted on many of those payments, and the Government Accountability Office now describes the financial outlook of the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund. Now get this, they're saying as poor. Yeah, that's, that's not quite a term I would use. Also, as of last year, and it is something that's quite interesting, the Postal Service, when you look at the overall totality of it, reached a $2.7 billion indebtedness. And going into the first quarter of this year, they reached an additional $500 million. So this kind of gets you questioning and, and even wondering what the direction of the Postal Service holds for the future. Now, I know I've heard some, and this is just rumors. I mean, so don't don't take this as it being the the truth or as of yet. But there's rumors going around that the postal service they're looking at doing some kind of privatizing it completely to restructure uh, because of this financial indebtedness. Now I don't know if that's going to work or not, but I do know that you know there are some. I hate to say mismanagement, but on the financial side, there is some type of mismanagement that's going on. I mean, I just recently walked into the post office to mail something and was kind of uh, taken back when I saw the increase of the post postage to mail this piece off. So I think it does need to be taken a look at, especially now if the health insurance side of this is in, in trouble, along with the entirety of the Postal Service being in, in as far as indebtedness and trouble. TSP News, we're going to talk about that for a few minutes now. The federal government's TSP Retirement Savings Program had a bumpy September. Yeah, I think everybody knows that. You know, there were two funds that lost value and, you know, the rest only posted what we call slight gains. Now, the Thrift Savings Plan, to kind of break all of this down, the F Fund, which is made up of fixed income bonds, fell 0.62% last month, bringing its total losses in 2018 to 1.48%. The small and mid-sized businesses of what we call the S Fund lost 1.76% in September, 
bringing the fund's gains down to 10.85% in January. The rest of the portfolios in the program also showed slight gains in September. The common stocks of the C fund grew at 0.57% last month, bringing its 2018 returns up to 10.54%. And the I fund, which is made up of the international investments, grew at 0.91%, bringing its losses for, uh, since January to 1.06%. Now, the G fund, I think, which everybody's kind of familiar with, which is made up of government securities, it increased by 0.24% in September, bringing its 2018 gains to 2.12%. And that's pretty strong. I mean, I, I can look back and uh, just a few years ago, it was at 1.69, 1.8, 1.84. So at 2.12, I would almost say that it's kind of uh, at the peak point. It, it may go a little bit stronger. You may even see it go up to 2.6, 2.65. But it, I don't see it just busting through uh, the horizon any higher than that. What will its future bring? I, I don't know. Usually, uh, you know, when you look at the G fund, you can kind of be safe saying it, it hovers around a 2% range. Now, the life cycles, the L funds, uh, which shifted toward more secure investments as participants get closer to retirement. That's what the L funds were designed for. Taking a look at that, the gains in September, the L fund increased by 0.21% last month, the L2020. And let me say this real quick, because a lot of people will say, well, what, what does 2020 mean or what does 2030 mean? Well, here's what it means. It, if you're looking at the L2020, that would be what we call a projected retirement date. doesn't mean you're going to retire on that date or year, but that's basically what it's designed for. So if you're going to retire in 2019, you could be using the L2020. If you're going to be retiring in 2021, you can still use L2020. You can use any of the funds, no matter what your projected retirement date is, but that's what it's designed for. It creates almost a, uh, a ratchet effect. It, it, what, it, what we call is it rebalances all of the GFs, the CS, and I funds to a safer position the closer you get to that retirement day. Okay, so the L2020 had a 0.22%, the 2030 had a 0.23% increase, the L2040 had a 0.22% increase, the L2050, 0.21% increase. So, as in regards to 2018, the L fund has grown 2.96%. The L2020 at 3.52%. The L2030 at 4.96%. The 2040 at 5.5%. And then the L2050 at 5.99%. Now, in closing, this is to me is really important. The TSP planning, I think, is oftentimes overlooked. I mean, I talk to people, and this is one of the areas I want to discuss just for a second. I talk to people on a weekly basis that are not contributing into their TSP. I highly suggest that it, you contribute to your TSP. Contributing into your TSP is important on so many different levels. One, it's it's an additional participant in your retirement for income adjustments. You know, I guess you could say, well, what does that really mean? Well, here's the thing. You've, 
you've got to look at what we call the purchasing power of a dollar. Today's dollar is not going to purchase the same as it would, you know, six years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So you got to understand by contributing into your TSP, if, if applicable, the 5% agency matching bonus is also important. Uh, the returns is important, but I, I think the bigger outlook is that your retirement is going to have to have some type of income adjustments. The TSP can be a participant in that. It's an added addition to your income against inflation cost of living. You know, if you take and you look at, you know, a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, uh, a gallon of gas, what it costs today, postage, what it costs today versus what it will cost 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. So real important, make sure that you're contributing to your TSP. Make sure you're planning, you understand. If you don't understand, give us a call or even email us at admin at fedresourcecenter.com. I'll be glad to answer any questions that you might have. We want to thank you for listening in on our Fed Resource Center podcast. Help us spread the word. We think education is the key to success. So have a great day and I look forward to doing our next podcast. Thank you.